0: Welcome to the podcast for Green Hill Church. You can find out more information about Green Hill Church and how to take your next step with Jesus online at greenhillchurch.com. Well, Luke chapter one this morning, as I said, we're going to be looking at this idea of hope. Over the last few weeks, we've done this series, Searching for Christmas, and we've talked about how we are searching for peace and that God is the peacemaker and he has sent Jesus to make peace for us. Uh, we looked last week that as we search for joy, that we are a people that can be joyful because God is joy giving and he has made us desire and long for joy in him. And this morning, I want us to understand this idea of hope. When we look around us and we look at the world around us, we look at even potentially our own circumstances, it, we can easily lose Hope. We see poverty and war and disease and hunger and terror and death. And when we see this, it can cause a hopelessness within us. We live in a time where there is some economic instability potentially. And when we run into recessions or job losses or economic struggles or financial issues in our own world, it can lead to hopelessness. We see the immorality and the perversion and the state of affairs of our culture and it can lead to hopelessness. We look within some of our own families and relationships and see the brokenness and the, the struggle, and the infighting and the discord and it can lead one to become hopeless. And as we find ourselves in these circumstances, it draws us into this search, this craving, this longing for hope. The disorder around us, it drives us to search for what I would call stability. If you've ever thrown a child in the pool to teach him to swim, kind of recommend that, maybe if you're there with them. But as they get in the water and they're trying to figure out how to do this, and you're there, they start doing this, trying to grab for something stable. And you bring them over to the side of the pool and they reach out and their hands get something solid, something stable. We long to stand on sturdy ground because it's when the ground beneath us begins to shift, we find ourselves longing for hope. I want us to look at Luke chapter 1 this morning, beginning in verse 26. Let's read it together. with her who was called barren for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. Now listen, can you imagine teenage girl living her life She's got her dreams and her aspirations and all the things ahead of her that she's longing to do and here comes this angel and interrupts it all. This angel comes and has this message, has this word for her and I would imagine and I don't know all the feelings, all the emotions that she's going through but I can think that in light of this message that's given to her, there might be a sense in which the ground on which she's standing seems to be caving in. There there might seem to be a bit of hopelessness of, I thought my life was going to be this and you're telling me that this is happening, I don't know what's going on, how is this possible, What's, what's going to happen? There seems to be a bit of need for hope. And what happens is God gives a message of hope to her. You're going to carry the son of the most high. He is going to be the hope for the world. He's going to be the hope for the world. I want us to look at this and walk through a few realities, a few truths for us as we think through this understanding of our search for hope. And the first one is this. We need to understand and clarify our hope. Clarifying our hope and understand that the search that we're on is a search for solid ground. Now, I mentioned the illustration of the young child in the pool grabbing for something solid, something of which we can stand upon. Think about Mary. The ground that she's standing on all of a sudden becomes shaky ground. Culturally, she would be shunned. The responsibility, her dreams, all of it was out the door. There was a sense in which she was clamoring for something, for for something solid to cling to, and the angel says to her this Do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. Have you ever found yourself in a spot where the ground you're standing on is shifting? It's sinking? It, it's not solid? See, I think it's in those moments that we feel most hopeless. What seemed solid in our lives eventually becomes insecure. It cracks and it begins to cave. It begins to crumble. And, church, don't miss this. The reason that our world is on a search for hope is because the very things that they're putting their hope in aren't solid. The ground upon which they're standing for hope caves within them. For all of history, nations have put their hope in a military might. But yet, Over time, history shows us that it won't sustain. We put our hope in financial security, and in an instant, it can all be gone. We put our hope in our own personal discipline and strength or intelligence, but yet it never seems to be enough. We can even put our hope in our friends and family, and you've probably experienced this. They've let you down. And the reason is, is because all of these things, while these are good things and given by God, they are not to be able to hold the weight of our hope. There needs to be, there's a longing for something more secure, something more solid. There's two different types of hopes I wanna show us this morning. I've simply just very creatively called it worldly hope and biblical hope. Worldly hope is how we define this, a feeling that what is wanted will happen. A feeling that is wanted will happen. I hope I make it to the NFL. It's not going to happen. I hope, right? I hope that my child turns out okay. I hope that I pass this test. I hope the Titans win today. I hope, and we can throw all these things out, but a lot of times when we use this word hope in our culture, it's simply just wishful thinking, not rooted really in anything. And what the Bible tells us is that there's a different kind of hope that we can cling to, something a little bit more solid, This is how we define, or how I would define, I found this definition, biblical hope. It's the confidence that what God has done in the past guarantees our participation in what God will do in the future. This hope is solid, it's secure, it's rooted in something. It's rooted in the very might and the very power of who God is and what he says will be done. The, the word hope in scripture, the Greek word, means anticipation or confident expectation. And it's, again, rooted in this understanding that something has happened. It's, it's based on fact. It's based on reality, not simply wishful thinking. So the difference between the two is one is solid ground. The story of Christmas is a rooted solid ground for which hope for the world enters. What do I mean by that? See, here we have this message that Gabriel comes and brings to Mary in Luke chapter one. And it's important for us to understand that this is not just by chance. This is not just some thing that happens. This is actually rooted in reality of the fact that God has said this would happen. If you go all the way back 800 years before this moment, to Isaiah chapter 7, Isaiah tells and prophesies that there's going to be a son. Listen to this Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. In other words, this is going to happen, and then now in Luke chapter 1, it's happening. And you go to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, Isaiah the prophet tells us, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders. Talk about solid ground. What is the weight that can hold the government? It is the son. It is God himself, the solid ground. His name shall be called what? Wonderful counselor. Church, I don't know if you've ever been in a place of hopelessness, but if you have, one of the things that we can do is we can go to a counselor. We need counsel in our life. We need good, biblical, godly counsel that is helpful for us in times of hopelessness. But what does scripture say that Jesus is going to be? He is going to be the wonderful counselor. He is a God of hope. He is the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of peace. Of the increase of His government and of peace, there will be no end. Solid ground. On the throne of David and over His kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Do you see the difference between worldly hope is I hope all this works out okay, biblical hope is rooted in this reality that god says i will do this and it is in his word that we hope and so now luke 1 the reality comes to fruit but what's fascinating about this what's unbelievable about this is that it didn't just come to us as a word of prophecy 800 years before that. It actually roots itself in Genesis all the way from the beginning. Now, if you remember the last few weeks, if you've been here, I went back to Genesis to creation to show that God is the peacemaker, that the chaos around us, that shalom means to make whole, to make complete, and that there's disorder, there's chaos, and God speaks order into creation. And He wants to speak order into our life, bring shalom, bring peace, wholeness, completeness in us. And that God in his creation, he created it good for our enjoyment so that we can look to him and find joy in him. He longs for us to find joy in this. But in those two perfect realities in which God created man, us, chose to rebel to sin against this holy, good God that we find joy in and find peace in. And in the midst of our rebellion, we find lack of peace, we find lack of joy and then find ourselves in hopelessness. But in the midst of the hopelessness of the despair, God brings hope. Listen to what he says in Genesis chapter three. This is after Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool. This is Genesis Genesis three, verse eight. In the cool of the day and the man and his wife, listen what they did. They hid themselves from the presence of God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And so he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. And then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So here we have these two, Adam and Eve, they've rebelled against God. They're hiding in the garden because they're afraid, they're ashamed, they find themselves hopeless. So God finds them, by the way, God finds us where we are and he comes and he has a conversation with them. So why are you hiding? What have you done? And they start blaming each other. Adam blames Eve. Eve blames the serpent. And this is what the Lord God says to the serpent, Satan. He says this in verse 14 The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. Verse 15 I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between you and your offspring and her offspring. Listen, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now you're like, what is that? If you notice, what he's talking about is the offspring of Eve. And what he says in this moment, that this offspring, this man, there's going to be one who comes who is going to crush your head. Church, this is good news. Because what's happening is in the hopeless despair of rebellion and separation from God, God says, I'm going to make all things right. I'm going to restore peace. I'm going to restore joy. I'm going to bring hope to the world. And here's how I'm going to do it. There's going to come a day when a baby is born. He is going to be born in flesh. He's going to be the God-man himself, come in human form. And he's going to take on you, Satan. He's going to take on you, death. He's going to take on you, disease. He's going to take on you sin he's going to take on you guilt and shame and nakedness and sorrow and all the brokenness of the world and he's going to conquer it he's going to crush it and it's going to look satan that when you have him on the cross and everyone thought oh the messiah is here wait he was supposed to conquer but now he's on a cross he's dying and they find themselves hopeless in that moment just when you think that you've got him by the heel, he's going to raise up that hill and he's going to stomp your head and crush you and defeat you when he rises from the dead. And he's going to bring hope to this world. That's what's happening in Luke chapter 1. It's not just some, I hope this all works out. It's God from the very beginning in Genesis 3 when he sees the brokenness saying, this is my plan, I'm going to restore I'm going to bring hope. And then he gives some hope in Isaiah that, hey, one day it's coming. One day it's coming. Look forward. The Messiah is coming. He's coming. He's coming. Hey, Mary, I've got a word for you. It's going to change your life. And you're going to feel despair and you're going to feel a little bit of hopelessness by what I'm about to tell you. But I need you to know that from the beginning, I'm in charge. I'm in control. The zeal of Lord God Almighty will accomplish this. Guess what? You're going to have a baby and he's going to change the world. And he's going to bring hope for all of eternity. This is the solid ground which we are searching for. Church, when we put our hope in all the things of this world, it cracks, it crumbles, it can't hold the weight of the hope that we long for. But when we place our hope in the solid ground of Jesus Christ, this is what can uphold us. He and he alone. Church, the hope has gone. Listen, we ought to be the most hopeful people in all of the world. And here's why. Because there's a lot of people who faced life not knowing what was to come. The Messiah hadn't been born yet. He had only just been talked about. For us, though, the Messiah had been promised. The Messiah has come. The Messiah has died, and the Messiah has risen from the grave. And in that is solid ground for us to find hope. Church, the solid ground of the historical, accomplished, redemptive work of God is what we place our hope in. It is solid ground. And here's the beauty, listen to what, listen to how the scripture defines Jesus. Jesus is known as, watch this, the cornerstone. Listen to Isaiah chapter 28. Therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, I am the one who is laid as a foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste. And then in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple of the Lord. This is who Jesus is. He is the solid ground upon which we can stand. The cornerstone is the most important stone of all the building When they're building a building, they look for the perfect stone to be the place setting for the cornerstone because it determines everything else. And if it is not good, the building is not good. Jesus has become the perfect cornerstone upon which all of the weight of the world, all of the hopes of the world, all of the needs of the world, all of the guilt and the shame and the sin and the darkness, all of it can be placed on him and it will not crumble because he has overcome it. He has overcome it. So we clarify our hope that the solid ground in which we're searching for is Jesus Christ himself born as a baby. Number two is this. We need to learn how to embrace our hope, embrace our hope, searching for the impossible. Let's be honest for many of us, we find ourselves hopeless because of the situation and the circumstances in which we are facing seem and if not seem are impossible. We look out in front of us and see what we're standing in or what we're facing and the walls upon which we're supposed to be able to move forward and it just seems impossible. There's nothing that we can do. We're frustrated, we're tired of the circumstances. It hurts, it's painful, we don't understand why and it is difficult. And in that difficulty, we can easily drift into a hopeless despair. But notice what the word of God says to Mary. The angel says, you're about to enter into a situation that is impossible. Notice what the angel says in verse 35. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. Therefore, this child to be born will be called holy. And then in verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. Come on, let's let this sink in for a minute mary says how's this going to happen God says you don't worry about that you let me take care of that i'm the god who can do the impossible church i don't know what you're facing some of you i know and it seems impossible but I need you to know this morning that the God that we serve, the God that is solid ground, the God that we hope in, the God that we need to embrace and the hope that we need to embrace is the God who can do the impossible. He can do it. He's done it before and he can do it in the future and he can do it today. You see, all of the Old Testament points us to this truth that God does the impossible. Jesus shows up on the scene, revealing that he can do the impossible. He takes the leper and he touches the leper, the one that everyone else rejects, and he's made whole. He speaks words of forgiveness for the one who's the most guilty and shameful of all, and he makes them clean. He takes the one, the little girl who is dead, and he breathes life into her, giving her life. He can do it all. He accomplishes it all. He dies himself on the cross, laying down his life for our sin and our shame and our guilt, and yet rises again. He can do the impossible. He can do the impossible. Now, church, here's the question. Do you believe in this God? Here's what God has taught me this week. There is a direct correlation, a direct connection between our hope and our faith. See, church, when we lose sight of faith and belief in this God, it leads us down this path of hopelessness. And what God is calling us to do is to renew our faith, to renew our trust, to renew our belief that he is the God of the impossible. Listen, if you go to Hebrews chapter 11, I'm not going to read it all, but if you just go and look at Hebrews 11, it is, by faith so-and-so did this, by faith so-and-so did this, by faith so-and-so did this. Who did the things? It was God. It was God, but God used their faith. God used their belief. Their hope was in Him. Listen, church, what God is teaching us this morning is this. Our hope is not in the circumstances or even overcoming the circumstances. Our hope is in him. And this is where it gets hard. We will think that we will only find hope if the circumstances work out how we want them to. But God is saying, don't have hope in that. Have hope in me. Embrace me. Church, sometimes God wants to leave us in the circumstances we're in, and we don't know why. We don't like it. It's painful, it's hurtful, and it can lead us to a potent- potential place of hopelessness. But what God's saying is, I want to leave you in this place because I'm doing a work in you, and I'm gonna do a work through you. And what I need you to do is learn to hope in me. I am the God of the impossible, I can do it. Anything, And I'm going to do it how I want, how I see it, and you need to rest in that reality. We need to embrace the hope that God is the God who can do the impossible. How do we do that? How do we do that? As I was studying this passage, I just became so enthralled with Mary's response. Look at verse 38. Here's this situation, this is what Mary says in response, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Listen, let it be to me according to your word. Whew. Now here's a girl who says, I'm your servant. Your word, your way, let it be in my life. That is a place of hope. Sure, it seems unstable. Sure, it seems difficult. But what she's doing is she is resting in the God who can do anything. So we've learned to embrace this hope, we need to also learn to live in this hope. To live in this hope. And this, I believe, connects to our search for purpose. There's a gentleman that, i've known that in his younger days was very influential very financially secure um, an investor i mean just influence guy in the community As he got older and age and found himself in a wheelchair found himself in a nursing home really his whole demeanor and outlook on life just changed He got, quite honestly, to a place of hopelessness. He had really lost all purpose, meaning for his existence. God, in his grace, gave him an opportunity one day to share Christ with someone in that nursing home. And in that, it led to a Bible study. And in that, it led to him basically being the spiritual leader and influencer of all the senior citizens in that nursing home. And all of a sudden the man who was hopeless in despair came alive again. He had hope because he realigned, watch this, his purpose according to the plans of God for his life. See, how we live in this hope? What does Mary say when she says, "'Let it be to me according to your word?' What she's doing is she's submitting, she's surrendering her life to the purposes of God for her life. And when she does that, she is able to find hope. Church, do you know this, that God's agenda for your life is your greatest purpose? that he has something something for you, that what you're walking through, he is using to do something for his glory in his name, if you would just submit and surrender and allow him to use you in that circumstance. And it's in that that we can find Listen to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 7. We sang about this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us, listen, to be born again to a living hope. This hope that we have is a living hope. It's not something that's just to come. We are called to live in hope today as we are alive. You see, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you are the ones who have hope because Christ lives within you. This is the hope that we have as Christians. You are born again, as it says in this scripture, and you're born again into a living hope. How do you live out this hope? What does this look like? It ultimately means, if you keep reading through here, uh, living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now... For a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Do you see what's happening? Why is there hope? Why is it a living hope? Even though we're going through trials and difficulties, there is an eternal reality awaiting for us, and we live in this hope, understanding that God is using these moments, these circumstances, these difficult trials for his glory, and in that we hope. In that we rejoice. Now, some people have criticized Christians of being escapists, meaning that our hope is a false hope. Well, you're you're just hoping for eternity. What about today? Church, we can walk in hope today because of eternity. We walk today in hope because of eternity. What is our purpose here on this earth? Listen, watch this. Our purpose on this earth, all of what that scripture just talked about was this idea that we are now born into this new kingdom, the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God exists for all of eternity, but it's also in the here and now. And we are citizens of that kingdom here on this earth. And what God desires and what Mary reveals to us of what it looks like to live in that kingdom is that we submit to His ways, His rules in our life, in this world, and in so doing, God gets the glory for all things here on this earth. Now, as God gets the glory for that, what we do is we find purpose. So that means in your work, regardless of what you do, if you're a teacher, a doctor, a lawyer, a businessman, a welder, a worker, whatever it is, God wants you to live your life in that job for his glory, finding hope in him. And in so doing, you're bringing the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven into that arena. This is purpose. This is meaning. This gives us hope regardless of what we're facing. This is what Mary lived. This is what Mary walked through. Now notice 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Look at this verse. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your what? Hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This verse teaches us a few things. Number one, how do we we live in this hope, in this purpose? We prepare our minds for action. Listen, what's going on in your mind matters. If you want to find a place of hope, then you need to guard your mind. You need to, to fill your mind with truth. You prepare your mind for action. This word... In this verse, it means to gird up your loins, gird up the loins of your mind, be ready. In other words, the the racers in the biblical times, they would gird up the loins of their robes so that they could run fast. There was nothing to trip them up. And what he's saying is we need to do that in our minds so that we can run the race and live a hope-filled life knowing the truth of the word. And second, he says that we need to be sober-minded. Well, what does that mean? That means to literally don't fall asleep. We don't need to be lulled asleep by our culture. There's a lot of things coming at us and it it can lead us to a place of despair and hopelessness. We need to stay vigilant, to be alert, to be aware, and then we go all in on the grace that is coming for us. See, Jesus Christ is returning, right? And this hope that we have today will be revealed for all of eternity. Church, if you've become a child of God, redeemed by the blood of Jesus, then you have a hope that is secure. Therefore, we can and you can put all your hope fully, completely on the reality that when he comes again, when Jesus Christ returns, Rather than experiencing condemnation, you will experience His grace. And in that we find a living hope. Church, do you need hope this morning? Are you hopeful or are you hopeless? Jesus Christ has come to give us hope. There's a song that we often sing, we've sung before, but There's a line in it that says, on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Where are you putting your hope? Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Father, we come before you. We say thank you that you are a God of hope that in the despair and the chaos of our circumstances in our lives, it can feel hopeless, but God, you are the God of the impossible. God, you are the sure foundation. And God, you've called us into a living hope that we can live in today. Lord, I pray for every person in this room that deep down they sense or feel hopelessness. God, you know the reason why they feel that way. God, for some, it's because they don't have a relationship with you. They're hopeless in their sin. Whether they're aware or not, there's a separation. So God, I pray for them. Lord, I pray for their salvation. I pray that they would run to you the sure foundation, the solid rock, the cornerstone, the very one upon which hope rests. God, that they would find grace and salvation and be freed from their hopelessness. God, I pray for the one that is carrying burdens and facing circumstances that seem hopeless. God, I pray by your grace and your mighty right hand, God, that you would overcome, God, that you would conquer, and God, that you would give them a sense of hope in you. You are the God that can do the impossible. Lord, for those that are sick, I pray for healing. Those that are facing broken relationships, I pray for restoration. God, we're desperate, but Lord, we hope in you. And God, we thank you that we have a hope for all of eternity. God's people said, amen. This morning, we're gonna respond in song. Here's my challenge to you. If there's something inside of you that you sense that you're hopeless, do not leave this building today until you've dealt, until you've come before God. Listen, if you need prayer, if you need someone to encourage you, if you just need to have a conversation, we're here for you. be happy to pray with you during this response song and after the service, whatever you need, don't leave without doing business with God. Let's stand, let's sing this morning. Thanks for listening to the podcast for Green Hill Church. For more information about Green Hill Church, go to greenhillchurch.com. Thanks for listening.